Well, good morning and welcome to La Jolla Community Church. Don't sit down so fast. Stand up. We're going to worship the Lord together.
Well, good morning. We're so glad that you're here to worship with us this morning. And if you're new, we'd like to extend a special welcome to you and invite you to fill out the connect pad in the back of the seat back pocket and also visit the table on the patio so that you can find out a little bit more about us and get connected with everything that we're doing here. I want to go ahead and draw your attention to VBS. We have registration open for VBS right now. It's going to be a really fun camp July 11th through the 15th. It's from 9 to 4, so it's all day long. You can drop the kids off. They're going to have a great time studying the book of Ephesians and doing all kinds of fun water activities and everything. They have that listed in the banquet so or in the uh, bulletin. If you have any questions, feel free to contact Rihanna. She's the contact for that. And then also I want to remind everybody that there's no congregational meeting this Monday night. That's been canceled. There's no new news to report, but we are going to have the campus team sending out an email with a updates sometime this summer. So keep your eye on the lookout for that. And now we have a video about Hebrews, a wrap-up video. The letter to the Hebrews. The author of this letter is anonymous, and people have wondered for a long time whether Paul wrote it or maybe one of his co-workers like Barnabas or Apollos, but really we just don't know. In chapter 2, we discover that the author had a first-hand relationship with the disciples who were themselves around Jesus. So we know that this letter is anchored in the teaching of the apostles. We also don't know who the audience of this letter was, or even where they lived. The author knows them really well, and he assumes that they have a thorough knowledge of the Old Testament scriptures, especially the storyline of the first five books of the Bible, the Torah, about how Abraham's family became the nation of Israel, about how Moses led them out of slavery in Egypt to Mount Sinai, where they received the Torah, and they made a covenant with God, where they built the tabernacle, where the priests offered sacrifices, and also about how they wandered through the wilderness on their way to the promised land. The author just expects that the readers know all of the details about these stories. And so most likely the audience is made up of Jewish Christians. That's where the name of the letter comes from. We also have clues from chapter 10 that this church community was facing persecution and even imprisonment because of their association with Jesus. Some in the community were walking away from Jesus and abandoning the faith altogether. And this explains the purpose and the structure of this letter. First, there's a short introduction, which is followed by four sections where the author compares and contrasts Jesus with key people and events from Israel's history. Jesus is first compared with angels in the Torah, second with Moses and the Promised Land, third with priests and Melchizedek, and lastly, with the sacrifices and the covenant. And the author has two main goals in all of these contrasts. The first goal is to elevate Jesus as superior to anyone or anything else, showing that Jesus is worthy of all their trust and devotion. But his second goal is this, is to challenge the readers to remain faithful to Jesus despite persecution. So in every section, he includes a strong warning not to abandon Jesus. So let's dive in now and see how this all unfolds. The elevation of Jesus begins in the opening sentence of the introduction. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors in many different ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us in his Son. So the author is saying that Jesus is superior to all of the previous ways that God has revealed himself to Israel. He then makes this astounding claim that Jesus is the radiance of God's glory and the exact imprint of God's nature. These metaphors are making the closest possible identification between Jesus and God. So Jesus is what the rays of light are to the sun, or Jesus is what the wax impression is to the signet ring. For this author, there is no God 
apart from Jesus. Jesus is God become human as the Son. And it's this elevated view of Jesus that's then explored throughout the rest of the letter. In the first section, the author compares Jesus with angels, which might strike you as kind of odd, like why angels? In Jewish tradition, it was taught, based on Deuteronomy chapter 33, verse 2, that the Torah, the words of God, were delivered to Moses at Mount Sinai by angels. And so by saying that Jesus is superior to angels, the author is claiming that Jesus and his message of good news are superior to all previous messengers of God's word. And so the first warning flows from this very point. If Israel was called to pay attention to the Torah that was delivered by angels, how much more should we pay attention to the message that was announced by the Son of God? And not only that, given Jesus' status high above the angels, how remarkable is it that he gave up that high status to become human, to suffer, and to die? In Jesus, we see God's greatest glory and God's great humility as Jesus sympathetically joined himself to humanity's tragic faith. In chapters 3 and 4, the author goes on to argue that Jesus is superior to Moses, who led the people of Israel through the wilderness and built the tabernacle. Jesus is also the leader of God's people, but in him we see not the builder of just a tent, but of all creation. Then the author retells the story of how the Israelites rebelled against Moses in the wilderness, and they lost their chance to enter into the rest that God offered them in the promised land. And so here comes the second warning. If Jesus is greater than Moses, how much higher are the stakes if we rebel against him? We also are in a wilderness-like environment where we have to trust God for the future rest in God's new creation. So let's make sure that we don't rebel like Israel did in the wilderness and lose out on God's gracious offer to enter his new creation. In chapters 5 through 7, the author then compares Jesus with Israel's priests that come from the line of Aaron. Their role was to represent Israel before God and to offer sacrifices that atoned for or covered over the sins of the people. But, he points out, the priests were themselves morally flawed people, and so they constantly had to offer sacrifices for their own sins as well as for everybody else's. Something more was needed. And so he then argues that Jesus was that something more. He's the ultimate priest. But Jesus did not come from the line of Aaron. Rather, Jesus was a priest in the order of Melchizedek, that mysterious priest king from ancient Jerusalem, and he appears in the stories about Abraham. We also find in Psalm 110 that the messianic king from the line of David will be a priest in the order of Melchizedek. So the author's whole point is this. Jesus is the ultimate priest king. He's morally flawless, he's eternally available for his people, and so he's superior to any other mediator between God and humans. And thus comes his warning in this section. To reject Jesus is to reject one's best and only chance to be fully reconciled to God, so don't do that. Which transitions us into the last comparison in chapters 8 through 10. The author shows how Jesus' death on the cross was the ultimate sacrifice superior to all the animal sacrifices offered in the temple. Those sacrifices had to be offered constantly, both daily, but also yearly on the Day of Atonement. Jesus offered his life once and for all, and it was sufficient to cover the sins of the whole world. And so the author warns the audience from walking away from Jesus. It's like turning your back on a gracious offer of God's forgiveness. Why would you do that? Jesus' sacrifice is permanent, he says, and it's the foundation for the new covenant spoken of in the prophets, where all sins are forgiven. So, now that the author has elevated Jesus through all of these contrasts, this final section is one big challenge to follow Jesus. So think big picture. In Jesus, they have found God's very word. In Jesus, they have hope for the new creation. Jesus is their eternal priest. He's the perfect sacrifice. And so now, they should follow all the great models of faith found throughout the story of the scriptures, and they should remain faithful to Jesus, trusting that despite whatever hardship and persecution, God will not abandon his people. That's the basic flow of thought throughout the letter, which the author calls right here at the very end a brief word of exhortation. Here's a couple of extra tips for reading this letter. Whenever the author quotes from the Old Testament scriptures, which is like every other sentence, stop and go look up the reference and read that quotation in its original context. And sometimes you'll be puzzled, but more often you'll see all kinds of extra cool connections that you would never notice otherwise. It's totally worth the effort. You should also just know that these warning passages 
They're going to make you uncomfortable, and that's kind of the point. They're not there to make you afraid. They're there to show you that rejecting Jesus is foolish because he's so awesome. These warnings all serve the larger purpose of the letter, to show that Jesus is the ultimate revelation of God's love and mercy. And that's what the letter of the Hebrews is all about. Okay, I'm going to invite some people to come forward and read Hebrews chapter 13 for us. This is Hebrews 13, chapter 1, or uh, chapter 1, verse 1 through 4. Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing so... For by so doing, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Continue to remember those in prison, as if you were together with them in prison, and those who are mistreated, as if you yourselves were suffering. Marriage should be honored by all, and the marriage bed kept pure, for God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. Hebrews 13, 5-6 Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have, because God has said, Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, The Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? 7 through 19. Uh, Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Do not be carried away by all kinds of strange teachings. It is good for our hearts, or for yeah, good for our hearts to be strengthened by grace, not eating ceremonial foods, which is of no benefit to those who do so. We have an altar from which those who minister at the tabernacle have no right to eat. The high priest carries the blood of the animals into the holy place as a sin offering, but the bodies are burned outside the camp. And so, Jesus also suffered outside the city gate to make the people holy through his own blood. Let us, then, go to him outside the camp, bearing the disgrace he bore. For here we do not have an enduring city, but but are looking for the city that is to come. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of the lips that openly profess his name. And do not forget to do good and share with others, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority, because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that the work will be so that their work will be joy, not a burden, for that would not be benefit to you. Um, pray for us. We are sure that we have a clear conscience and desire to live honorably in every way. I particularly urge you to pray so that I may re- be restored to you soon. Continuing verse 20. Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Brothers and sisters, I urge you to bear with my word of exhortation, for in fact I have written to you quite briefly. I want you to know that our brother Timothy has been released If he arrives soon, I will come with him to see you. Greet all of your leaders and all the Lord's people. Those from Italy send you their greetings. Grace be with you all. Well, thank you for reading that. Uh, What did you think of that video? It's amazing, isn't it? Well, this group, uh, the Bible Project from Portland, uh, have put together a whole series. Every book in the Bible, they've animated like that. So you have no excuse uh, not to work your way through the entire Bible. If you find it hard to read through the Bible, this is a pretty good way to look through the Bible and get all that content. It's a bit of uh, an experience like drinking from a fire hydrant, though I have never met anybody who's actually tried to drink from a fire hydrant. I know it's not a good idea. 
Uh, but it's a very good idea uh, to go back over this one from Hebrews, because if you're sitting way back there, you probably could hardly see it. Um, and if you're an artist, you weren't listening anyway, because you were thinking, how did they do that? That's amazing, that animation. But go back through and take your time. In 8 minutes and 20 seconds, you got the entire review and summary of Hebrews. You can see why uh, we've been calling it the entire Old Testament, uh, the whole Bible in one letter. The whole Bible in one letter. It is so packed with references to what we call the First Testament, not the Old Testament. Old implies it's done, we don't care, we don't need it. First Testament, if you don't know the First Testament, it's very hard to understand the context, the impact of the New Testament. And so you see in Hebrews, all that scripture quoted from the, New, from the, the First Testament supports people understanding what's going on uh, in their own day and age, and then us 2,000 years later. So we absolutely see the Bible as our foundational text. And what we do then is prayerfully, trusting that God's Holy Spirit, and, and in the company of His people, we work through the implications of that. Many times I've heard people say, well, you know, you can make the Bible say anything you want it to. Uh, I guess, but that would be distorting it, wouldn't it? Uh, There's lots and lots and lots and lots of ways to apply the Bible. But when you really look at it in the context, you say there's some pretty clear messages. You can't distort the message if you read it in context. But what you can then say is, how will I apply it at this point in my life? How do I apply this in this context of my life? How do I apply this in this circumstance of my life? So the whole idea of getting smart about the Bible is that we can become wise for living that we can develop emotional intelligence, that we can understand that God wants us to develop ministry skills to have missional impact. What kind of missional impact? His mission in the world. And so though we face difficult circumstances, we don't uh, give up on Him because He will never give up on us. So uh, where does that take us? Three things. Uh, You see this in the sermon notes section of the bulletin. Just past that order of worship, you'll see uh, three headings. Sermon notes, it says June, 16, uh, June 26, 2016. The whole Bible in one letter, Hebrews Review. Uh, under the first point, how has your belief increased this year? We're looking at three things in the context of Hebrews. Belief, belonging, and becoming. How have you deepened your understanding of God's Word and God's ways this year, the school year, but specifically perhaps over the last 12 weeks as we've worked our way uh, through this letter to the Hebrews? How has your belief increased? Secondly, how has your sense of belonging to Christ and His church increased this year? Have you been in a life group for the first time, a small group uh, where you gather with people? Maybe you've been on some of our builds down in Mexico or with Habitat for Humanity. Uh, Maybe you've been involved in some other setting where you've had a chance to connect with people in a way that you say, you know what, I really feel like I belong to this community and to some specific people within this community. It's not enough to believe Uh, Having great belief is very lonely unless you belong. And then secondly, uh, third, it says, what signs do you see in your life that you are growing in your faith? What are you becoming in Christ? It's this process of believing and belonging that sets us up to become uh, who we are meant to be in Christ. It's not about perfection. It's about progress now, perfection later. We will become complete in Christ. In the meantime, we simply learn to walk with Him. And in that process, we become more like Him. It's sometimes three steps forward and two steps back. For me, it's you know three steps forward and nine steps back sometimes. But the idea is that we're becoming something that we are shocked and delighted, surprised, uh, and, and uh, uh, the people around us likewise, that we're becoming. You're different. Something's happening in you. Yeah, I used to do this, but now I'm learning to do that. So this idea of belief and belonging and becoming sets us up to the doing, Right? All those together, because we believe Him, we do things differently. Because we belong to Him, we do things differently. Because we are becoming like Him, we do things differently. So if you reflect on, on your uh, last year or these last 12 weeks, look at these headings for just a moment on your own. I'll give you 30 seconds. It's very fast. And if you're a slow processor, I'll get back to you next week. But if you, um, in the meantime, just look at this. Uh, does anything come to mind? If so, write a word down, a phrase down, uh, how your belief in Christ his word, uh, his presence in you has, has increased this year. Same thing on the second one in terms of belonging. Write down a word or a phrase. Uh, and then the third, uh, what do you see happening in you? What are you becoming? What are you remembering that you've forgotten? What are you doing that you had stopped doing? Write some things down. And then in a moment, I'm going to give you a chance to tell the people next to you briefly some of the things that came to mind on either uh, any of these or all of these. All right. So just take a moment to collect your thoughts.
So if you would, uh, turn to somebody next to you and uh, give them your simple, quick response to any or all three of these, uh, and they will do that for you. And so you each get 30 seconds. Have at it. Okay, if you haven't had a chance to talk yet, your turn. 30 seconds, if you haven't talked yet. Wrap it up in 10 seconds if you would. Okay, now what uh, I want to invite you to do, if, if something is, is, has grabbed you in terms of you thinking about uh, the last school year, if that's your perspective, or the last semester or quarter or week or this series of Hebrews, Something about what, what has changed, what's growing, what's increasing in terms of belief, belonging, behavior, uh, becoming. Uh, we want to give you a chance to give us uh, a 10-second, 20-second version of that. And, and Craig is going to walk down with a mic. And if you want to say something, so it's a one-topic focus, though. It's you. You're the topic. How are you growing in, in believing, belonging, and becoming? If you want to give us a quick insight, a uh, heads up about that, we'd love to hear from you. And uh, Craig will hold the mic and hold it real close so you can be heard. So raise your hand over here if you want to say anything. Anything that has come to mind that you think you'd like to share? Don't be shy. Just keep walking. Last hour was the, the extrovert service, and uh, this, is the, this, is the, this is the introvert service, so... Um, He's working his way down, and if you see a hand, stop, Craig, and we'll so you get 10 seconds and give us one or two insights into what's happening. Um, I don't feel I'm alone anymore. Um, my husband left me three weeks ago, and I feel I have friends at church, and I know I'm going to get through this, through the church. Thank you. Anybody else? Raise your hand, and we'll, we'll hear from you. Okay, we can do a lap. Craig, you're going to come back around this time, uh, around this way? Yeah, there you go. Yeah, exactly. So I'm a lover of sand dollars, and my friends know that. And this morning I'm running on the beach, and I found six beautiful ones, and I would normally hoard those and keep those for myself. And um, I have a very close friend who's, um, who's friend's daughter, so I don't know her very well, but she's super sick with Hodgkin's lymphoma. She's 20, and she only has a... Um, I think 40% chance of survival. So I was thinking of her this morning, and I thought, I'm not going to keep them. I'm going to give them to her and um, write a letter to her. So I think it's that, you know, fruits of the spirit that come out the deeper your faith is. So, Thank you. One of the things that I, I'm in a Bible study right now, and God is just pressing on my heart, is how to live in the spirit and not in the flesh. And one of the things that um, Beth Moore is the study, 
living beyond yourself. And one of the things she, she brought out in the study was how we need to especially have the gift of discernment and to really hear the spirit and um, how listening to the spirit is like having resonance. And if you take a piano key and you hit a key and you listen to the strings of other, um, of other instruments around it, they will, they will also vibrate in the same resonance. And that was just so powerful to me that we want to have that spirit in our life so that everything we're doing resonates with what God's will is. And I just love that. Cheryl, thank you. Thanks, Craig. Okay, so uh, any opportunity you have going forward to grow in your beliefs, any opportunity you have to grow in your sense of belonging by participating in things that help you get to know people and connect with them uh, around something you're doing together but really because of Christ. And then the third thing, any opportunity you have to, to push yourself out of that comfort zone to become uh, what you think Christ is calling you to be, helping you to become, uh, this is the most powerful thing you can do. When you're through learning, you're through. And so we want to be a, a community uh, that's resource-rich because we are learning to understand God's word and God's ways, that we're learning that we belong to him and nothing and no one can separate us from him that we are becoming exactly uh, who he is calling us to be because his abiding presence is in us. No circumstance defines us. No sin defines us. No setback defines us. The only thing that defines us adequately is the Savior. And so you are part of a community uh, that is being redeemed in Christ. And there's many communities around this community and around the country and around the world who are being redeemed by Christ. We have a common vocabulary in Christ. We have a common core set of beliefs and practices and virtues because of Christ. And so this is not only the hope for us. This is, in fact, the hope for the world. And so let's continue worshiping the Lord together. Stand up and join us here.
here at La Jolla Community Church that they would grow closer to God and to each other. We pray for the children and youth to grow in their love for Jesus. We pray that our parents would continue to guide us in our faith. We pray for the future families that will come worship here. We pray for new members that they would experience the love and joy offered here. We pray for those whose hearts are aching or broken. We pray for healing in our families. We pray also for the future of our church. We pray that we would listen for what God is doing in this church and in, his, and in this community. We pray for the leaders of our church, that God would guide and lead them. We pray for discernment and clarity. And we pray that we would continue to grow in God's plan for us as a church family. Amen.
So, Lord Jesus, our hearts uh, are full of you. We pour out our gratitude to you uh, in words spoken and sung, words prayed. Lord, we bring our gifts, our offerings, our tithes to you, returning a portion to you of what you've entrusted to us. Lord, we pray that your name would be great and declared among all the nations. Lord, you've promised to bless all nations on earth, and so, Lord, uh, we thank you for that promise. And, Lord, we, we thank you for calling us to be part and partners with you in fulfilling that promise as we learn to believe in you and belong to you and become what you've called us to be, what you're forming us in Christ through his Holy Spirit to be, guided by your word in the company of your people. And so, Lord, we can't help but sing your praises, celebrate your goodness and your glory. May we reflect your glory, even as uh, your imprint, your abiding presence uh, is on us. And so we thank you and praise you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a seat. We're going to receive the offering of the morning as we continue worshiping the Lord. uh, The lyrics to this next song were read earlier when scriptures are being read as they're straight out of the Bible.
So who do you believe in? And who do you belong to? And what are you becoming? Everything God wants to teach you. Everything God wants to do to make you feel part of his community. Everything God wants you to become now and forevermore. So now may the God of all peace equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him. Through Jesus Christ, in whom be all glory forever and ever and ever. Amen.